Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalm, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. So this week, we read Parsha Lech Lecha. And in honor of Parsha Lech Lecha, I wanted to share an embarrassing story. Um, back when I was a new student at Drisha, I don't even think Maharat had started yet. Um, I had a gig a couple of times substituting for a Sunday morning conversion class at a local synagogue. And we were doing Parsha one day and one Sunday and talking about the character of Avram. And during the class, I mentioned, well, we were talking about Abraham. And I said, well, you know, and there was the whole thing with the smashing of the idols, et cetera. And one of the students looked at me and said, well, yeah, but that's not actually in the Torah. That's just a midrash, right? That's just like something the rabbi said. That's not actually part of the biblical story. And I thought, oh, gosh, I, yeah, I guess this person is right. And I kind of, I, I fumbled a little bit, but I caught myself. Um, and hopefully I conveyed that I knew what I was talking about, even if I clearly did not. Um, but it was kind of the first time that really had happened where I had totally assumed that a midrash I had learned as a child was actually part of the Torah story. And I know that it's not just me that felt that way. In fact, um, I saw quoted a story about Nechama Leibovitz of blessed memory, that one time she was teaching a Tanakh shir, um, and she told all the students, okay, bring a Tanakh. And then at the beginning said, get out your Tanakh and look for the story of Avraham um, smashing his father's idols. And they all did, and they're pouring over their Tanakh. They can't find it anywhere. They can't find it anywhere. And she said, see, it's because it's not in the Torah. Of course, they all thought it was. That's why they spent the time looking over it. But then she said, but it should be. So <laughs> I love that. And I wanted to start off, use that as an idea to transition into talking about Avram today. Um, but it should be. So of course, what Midrash were you referencing? We're referencing the Midrash that says that Avram's father, Terach, had an idol shop, basically. Um, and that one day a woman came in and she wanted to offer um, a, a flower offering um, to one of the idols. And so Avraham sort of maybe had his breaking point, his breaking moment. Um, and what he did was he smashed all the idols in his father in Terach's shop um, and then left the flower in the hands of the most powerful idol. And Terach, of course, comes in and says, what did you do? And Avram says, what do you mean? What did I do? The idol, you know, did it. And Terach said, what are you talking about? Of course, the idol can't do that. And he said, gotcha, kind of a gotcha moment, right? You think that you worship idols and yet you worship something that doesn't actually even have any power. It's just made up. It's just there. It doesn't actually have the ability to do anything. Whereas of course, God has the ability to literally create the world. Now, what is the function of that story? The function of that story is to really take Avraham and give him an incredible history of his personality and turn him into the hero of the story. Um, there are a couple pieces on the Torah.com that I used heavily in, in referencing today um, to, to, to try to really get at, okay, why is this Midrash that we all, or many of us, grow up thinking is actually in the Torah? Why is it so powerful that it sticks with all of us? And I think that the answer to that partially is that the Torah gives us no information about Avraham whatsoever. As we said, it opens with lech lecha, right? Go forth from your native land. Just get up and go. And we say, oh, Avraham, what a man of faith. What an incredible thing. But let's look at the next couple psukim for a minute. Like, let's say two, three, and then the beginning of four. 
God says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse him that curses you. And all the families of the earth shall bless themselves by you. Now, all right, we can talk about Abraham as a great man of faith, but let's be honest here. That's a pretty sweet offer, right? God appearing to you one day and saying, hey, if you go somewhere where I show you, I'm going to make you into a great nation. You're Everyone who blesses you is going to be blessed. Anyone who curses you is going to be cursed. You're going to have, you know, everyone will respect you and revere you and you'll have lots of children, etc." Is this really a time to praise Abraham as being the paradigm of faith? Of faith? I mean, yes, he absolutely is later in the story. But his decision in the beginning of verse 4, Avram went forth just as God had commanded him or God had spoken to him. Is that really such a noble thing that he did? Okay, he took an awesome opportunity. Like, why is that such a shock to us? Why is that considered something that is so impressive to us? And I think that one of the reasons, therefore, that we become attracted to this Midrash about Avram smashing the idols is because it helps us deal with that tension a little bit. It helps us say, hmm, Avram is just kind of a random guy and turns him into, no, this is someone who, who intuited the truth, who knew what was the real story with idolatry, who knew this was all a sham, and then he blindly just listened to God and followed God and then continued to believe in God no matter what was standing in his way, and that, you know, even through the Akedah, etc., and that was Avraham's life. So it helps us develop him as a character, and actually even um to to quote other scholars who've pointed this out it takes a sort of blank story of Abraham in the beginning and turns it into a quest story now what's a quest story a quest story is a story of a hero who goes who begins their journey to changing the world through personal adversity through personal challenges a story you know i mean there are movies like this all the time right about people who grow up under adverse circumstances no one thought this person was going to become anything and you know 80% of the movie is this person's childhood right we we like the challenges we like to see what made them who they are to the point where if what you can summarize their actual accomplishments in just a few minutes, right? We're so attracted to that background story, to knowing what makes a hero a hero, that it kind of makes sense that we're drawn to this story, to this midrash of Avram smashing the idols. And actually to quote um, Professor Everett Fox, who has a piece on the Torah.com, he says, any novelist, short story writer, playwright or screenwriter worth his or her salt would salivate over this biographical moment, imagining Avram's verbal reply to God's sudden command, his inner struggles and doubts or the physical obstacles he might have faced along the way. Instead, we get virtually nothing. So now that we've established the facts on the ground, the fact that we're all attracted to this Midrash, the fact that it makes sense culturally why we would want this Midrash, why we, this is how we talk about heroes. And the fact that it seems like the, you know, the Torah misses such an opportunity here to tell us who Abraham was. Of course, our final question that we have to address is, well then, why, right? Why doesn't the Torah give us this background? Why does it, why don't we know anything about Abraham 
until he gets up and says, oh, sure, God, I'll follow you. This sounds like a pretty good deal. And I was thinking about this a lot this week um, and wanted to offer an answer through the lens of another midrash that is often told about Avraham. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting midrash, a bit of a cryptic midrash, um, which scholars point out that there are a few different ways to understand it. But essentially, to summarize, it says that Avraham, it, it says Avraham, think about Avraham like a person who's walking around passing palace and palace, right? Someone who's going for, you know, just some kind of a journey and passes all of these structures and then sees one that is Daluk, which can either mean on fire or lit up. Uh, for the purposes of this conversation, I wanted to consider it to mean lit up. And he looks and he says, huh, this place is lit up. Lit up. It looks different than the other ones. Does it not have someone who's job it is to take care of it, whose job it is to maybe close things up at night, um, to make sure all the lights are turned off, etc. And at that moment, uh, the caretaker of that, of that particular palace pops his head out and says, nope, actually, this is my palace. Now, the, the analogy being that Avraham is that person and God is walking around, of course, and God is the one popping God's head out, so to speak, of the palace, basically saying that Avraham was walking around and he noticed something out of the ordinary. He was an observant person and he didn't just accept it at face value. He asked a question and he said, huh, what's going on? Why is this different than everything else? And it was his ability to even notice that and then ask the question that enabled or gave space to God to reveal God's self to him. Now, contrast that with the story of the idols, right? If these are two different midrashim that explore the origins of Abraham, who Abraham is, they're actually profoundly different. The midrash of the idols imagines Abraham as a hero, and not just a hero, but a true truth seeker, and not just a truth seeker, but someone who has the bravery to stand up to his own father, to destroy his father's livelihood, destroy his father's, you know, what his father has been building up with all the idols, and just say, you know what? I have such conviction in what I believe to be true that I'm just going to act on it and destroy everything that my my family owns. Now, that is admirable because we believe that Abraham is true and Abraham is right. And so we look up to him as a leader. Yet, it is incredibly unrelatable. How many of us really feel that we are going to be the Abrahams in the world, that we are going to see something that is just not right, and we are willing to sacrifice our family, our everything, in order to stand up for that truth. That is a couple in a generation type of person. That is not your average person. That is not someone I identify with at all. So I can read that story and admire Abraham and be proud that he becomes the father of my religion but I don't see myself in Avraham. And now consider the second Midrash, the one of the palace, the one where someone is just walking around and notices something and asks a question. Think about that. That is something that I can relate to. I can relate to looking around and saying, huh, I wonder why that thing is the way that it is and being able to ask a new question in a new way. And I bet that I would hope, think that almost all of us can identify with that. Because it doesn't mean you, you're one universal personality. It means that you have something in the world that you think about uniquely, that you want to explore more, that you see the truth when maybe other people don't stop to really consider it. That's why we have career specialties, because we're all drawn, we're all good at thinking about something 
in a way that is different than most of the other population. That's what makes us good at our particular jobs. The Avraham of the story of the palace is, is actually a relatable character, someone we can look at and see ourselves in. And I think that that's a very significant message specifically for this year. As like all the headlines and podcast news podcasts are talking about right now, you know, we know that there's a major employment crisis in this country, right? I think we had 4.3 million people quit their jobs in August. And a lot of the unemployment numbers in our country right now are actually because people are voluntarily exiting the workforce. We're having a bit of an identity crisis en masse. And of course, also addressing other issues of, of the way workers are treated are absolutely critical and very illuminating, unfortunately. But I think it's a it's it's not just that, so to speak. I think that there's more. A lot of people are stopping and looking at their lives in a new way that they never have before and seeing things that they hadn't before. And they're stopping to ask basic questions about why are these things the way that they are? And is there something new I can see that will enable me to think about my life and to think about the world differently? And in that way, I think that Avraham is particularly relatable this year. And I think now I, I really appreciate why the Torah leaves out what made Avraham Avraham in the beginning. Because if you leave out what made Avraham Avraham, then you enable everyone to see themselves in him rather than to just hold him up as an amazing hero of our story, but one that we can't actually relate to. And I hope that that people who do feel like they are wandering, they are seeking, they are ungrounded, can look at this story and appreciate that it is that very ungrounding, that uncertainty, that can really lead to true greatness. Shabbat shalom.